back to the Brocklist podcast. As always, I'm joined with Nathan and we've got plenty to talk about, of course, a week full of speculation around the future of Chris Wilder, of course. We got a definite answer on that front on Friday in the press conference um, prior to our trip to Swansea. Of course, we got a point on the road and we'll get into that later. But first of all, Nathan, after a pretty nervy week at points, how we're doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, bit nervy this week, as you say. Uh, speculation had everyone's minds running wild about um, what could what could go on on the managerial front, but it looks to be all sorted now, and full focus looks to be back on the league. Um, three big games to go following this weekend, but we'll get into this week and dissect what's gone on. Yeah, so I think probably starting off really where we left it last podcast um while they'd just done the interview where he said you don't know what's around the corner um and then really nothing the, there wasn't any more quotes that come out it was sort of just as the week went on and it might i want to say it was the tuesday where simon jordan obviously makes a claim that Wilder had been in, in Burnley's um, director's box for a recent game, which obviously it was then discovered through a lot of good work from Middlesbrough fans that actually it was complete nonsense and he, he couldn't have been. And actually, um, the last possible time that he was at Burnley was prior to our game in the Cup. So, of course, he had a very, very good reason for being there. Um, and then really it was sort of just a mixture of betting odds, a little bit of hearsay, a few uh, rumours being dotted about. But really, because of the fact he just failed to squash it after the Huddersfield game, I think everyone's mind was just playing tricks on them, really. And then, of course, there was so much built-up tension going into that press conference on Friday. And then we actually got exactly what we wanted, really. He ruled himself out of it admitted he was wrong for probably not killing the link a little bit earlier, you know, talked about the future, talked about meeting with Steve Gibson, and we got a little bit of uh, reassurance. But as I say, for that week, there was a few times where I thought we could be going into the last four games of the season without a manager, and that would have been horrifying, to be honest. Yeah, it would have been. Um, since he's come in, he's done a fantastic job, Chris Wilder. He's turned the fortunes of this club around, I think, um, since since taking over in October and many Middlesbrough fans were sort of panicking over this last week really because they know what job he's done in such little time and they want that to continue um, yeah I think speculation uh, especially with talk sport Simon Jordan saying what he did on Tuesday afternoon spurred things along um, but was just trying to sort of fill in talk sports airtime to be fair um then the, the gazette released an article saying that while they wouldn't be going anywhere the club were confident that he was going to stay and the club were confident should any approach be made that while they would stay as well there was a, sh- a short link um f- from burnley's side that they wanted middlesbrough's director of football kieran scott as well which was quickly squashed I think they just kind of want to be Middlesbrough, if as it happens, uh, with all these links. But 
yeah, a, a crazy week, a crazy few days. But in the press conference on Friday, things were squashed pretty quickly, really. Yeah, there were. Obviously, just in terms of quickly covering some of the quotes, you know, I think the big one that come out of it was uh, Wilder saying that he was all in. Um, and I think really um, it's sort of, you know, almost, and I, I can't say um, on behalf of anyone because I was just as worried as everyone else. I think just going back a little bit as well, that Sky Sports interview come out uh, where Keith Downey um, tried to get an answer about him and he just shut him down straight away. That made people a little bit concerned as well. But realistically, looking back, when you sort of look at it from a, a, a normal <coughs> perspective, he's never been the type of manager. And he said that himself in his, his press conference to, to jump ship. You know, he's a, he's a long-term manager. I think he sees himself being at the club for a, a number of years and, and so does Steve Gibson and Kieran Scott. And that's ultimately why they made the decision to bring him in earlier this season. So obviously it was good to, to have that um, sort of killed. Link disappeared. Sky Better probably lost... Uh, well, no, sorry. Sky Better probably gained plenty of money from Burnley fans, hopefully backing Chris Wilder and uh, a few worried Middlesbrough fans backing it, I think, as well. But... That links to have finally been squashed. Just a note on Burnley, um, horrible club. Um, tin pot, wooden seats all around the ground. Just stay away from, from Middlesbrough, please. You've already ruined Ben Gibson's, well, tried to ruin Ben Gibson's career. You'll have your annual sort of below par bid for Dale Fry in the summer that will get rejected. And you're not having Chris Wilder or Kieran Scott, so just stay in your lane. Stay in the Prem, but just get some washed up Sam Allardyce or something like that. Just stay. Yeah, away. we That's don't even want you in the Championship. Bring us Everton instead. Um, yeah, a bit of a bit, a bigger, a way bigger club and a better away game. Who wants to go and sit in them wooden seats? <laughs> yeah, they need, they need to grow up and they need to find something else to do rather than playing Route One hoofball. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, certainly a funny link, but as we said, as we said the other day, um, you'd have to question ambition. I think if if you swapped swapped Middlesbrough for Burnley, um, whilst they've had plenty of success in the Premier League over the last sort of five, six, seven years now, um, I think that the only real thing that they've got that we don't is parachute payments. Um, which of course is is a big a asset should you be relegated from from the Premier League into the Championship. But apart from that, I think everything everything sort of goes in Middlesbrough's favour. Um, but a big game on Saturday, um, plenty had been saying for weeks prior to this that. The next game and the next game and the next game were playoff deciding, season de season defining fixtures. We need to win, must win fixtures week after week. But results otherwise other for other sides in the table really had kept Middlesbrough in touching distance despite faltering results. And we travelled to South Wales on Saturday, Swansea, difficult side, a ground that we never ever really get anything at. Uh, I think the last win was in 2009 
which we'd just been relegated from the Premier League, which is a long, long time ago. Wow. Tunka, I think Tunkai scored as well that day. Yeah, I think he might. That was just before he left, I think, actually. Yeah. So it, it, it just proves how long ago this was that we had this last win at Swansea. And we were going there. Swansea, I think, were unbeaten in eight, but has, in the previous game, threw away a three-goal lead uh, away at Reading and drew 4-4 in the 95th minute. So going into this game, Borough could probably feel like it was an opportunity to to get chances. Swansea very much want to keep hold of the ball, but you know what it's like with championship sides that keep hold of the ball. They take plenty of risks and with the quality of players in this division, there can be mistakes as it happens. Um, we'll get into a mistake, a big mistake on Swansea's part later on in the podcast. But yeah, one change I think it was yesterday, core burning from the start. What did you think about that, Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I think we spoke about it a couple of podcasts ago. I think for a number of weeks now, to be honest, um, Josh Coburn's through, you know, making impacts as a sub has, has managed to really fire himself up the pecking order. And I, I think it was a matter of time, really, before he started. And I was, you know, quite happy, really, to see him get his chance. Um little bit surprised to see Duncan Watmore in the team again. I thought perhaps he may have opted to go with Balogun, but it seems like Balogun is sort of almost been forgotten about after, strangely enough, having one of his best runs in the team and, and scoring a few goals. He's really dropped down the pecking order. So that's a, a whole different topic to get into, and we can discuss that a little bit later. But yeah, for the one change, happy with, uh, with Corbyn coming into the team. And, you know, as you say, I think, with Swansea, I don't think anyone was questioning the, the ability and in, in the um, the type of play that they often play with. Um, you know, like to keep the ball. Um, I've seen over the last few weeks can score goals in abundance. And I think really the only sort of hope that I had going into the game was the fact that, you know, they're in a position now where they're probably not, going to make the playoffs they're certainly not going to go down and they're in that sort of on the beach type stereotype position where there's not really a lot for them to play for I know of course they want to build momentum going into the next season but that was the the one little glimmer of hope I felt going into the game that actually they may you know not be as in um, as intense as what they had been in previous weeks but I think that was probably a little bit naive of me, to be honest, because I don't think Russell Martin's just going to let his team sort of sack it off for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think they did really in that first half, especially um, looking to play their game. I think going into halftime, the Swansea had something like 83% possession in that first half, which is unbelievable, really, just keeping the ball neat and tidy, one-touch passing around Middlesbrough. But in the first half, despite having all the possessions, Swansea didn't create all too much at all. Um, and as it happens, Middlesbrough had the best chance of the game. McGree, on the end of a loose pass in midfield, slides it through to Watmore, and he's pretty much through one-on-one from a slight, a slight angle towards the right-hand side. And quite similarly to that Peter Brugal, actually, the angle was. Um, 
but he fires over this time, a big chance in a game where you know Middlesbrough are going to be under the cosh for a lot, a long period of it. Um, and a big, big chance that goes begging once again. Yeah, it was a good chance, as you say, but almost a, a carbon copy in terms of per, positionally um, from Watmore's goal against Peterborough. Um, and as you say, our best chance um, of the game, uh, not sorry, of the game, of the first half, um, the best chance from both sides, really. Um, I know Swansea had a lot of possession in the first half, but I actually thought the first half was an awful watch. Um probably because they had so much of the ball, but really they had all the possession they wanted, but didn't really fashion anything from it. Um, yeah, it was a it was a poor spectacle, I thought, in the first half. And we probably a little bit um hesitant to to really push on, but that was with respect to Swansea, to be honest, because you know, we we've seen, as I said, they can score goals in abundance. So we probably were a little bit um, deeper, a few yards deeper than what we were in the second half, just to almost soak up pressure and, and not get played through because Swansea do have the, the likes of Grimes in midfield and, and Joel Pirro that, that drops deep um, and, and can thread passes through. So it, it could have been quite easy for us to go and try and chase the game in the first half, but actually, probably in terms of a tactical point of view, it was probably best off that we sat a little bit deeper and almost grew into the game, which I felt we did in the second half. And of course, we, we started the second half uh, very well, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, getting that goal very early on in the second half. I think really in the first half, the game plan was just to sit in, as you say, soak up pressure, see what Swansea could do in terms of fashioning chances. And in that first half, there wasn't many at all. None of note that are coming to mind. Um and yeah, it it was pretty simple. Middlesbrough's goal, wasn't it? Um, Swansea looking to play out from the back. Quite strangely, um, the centre half Norton taking the the goal kick um, to set it to Andy Fisher, the Swansea goalkeeper, to run onto it and then knock it either out wide or in the midfield. And to try to do just that, the ball breaks from a, a, a poor pass. And McGree pretty much has an open net because of Fisher's positioning. Um, takes a massive deflection off Norton. Looks like it's going to go over the bar. And, yeah, it cannons in off the crossbar. Middlesbrough find themselves one up in Wales. And everything looks up. Um, I think from then on, you'd want to sit in um, and look to hit on the counter-attack. Swansea will leave spaces in behind because of how much pressure, how much possession they have, and they want to push up and 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 sort of suffocate Middlesbrough. But the game plan went pretty much out the window straight away. Well, in fact, no, it didn't. Missing, missing, uh, me missing uh, a big chance there. We could have doubled the lead literally seconds after scoring our first through McGree. Tavernier, I'll just let you take this one, Chris, because I'm struggling to find how the words to describe how he's even missed it, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, dis- a disappointing one, isn't it? Um, as you say, you know, actually, you make a point there that we've just scored 
um, it would have been a perfect example of the way that we should have dealt with going 1-0 up, looking at the Huddersfield game and seeing how they dealt with it. They got their goal, sat in and then counter-attacked and finished the game off later on. And we done the exact opposite. Score the goal. Swansea take kick off and immediately uh, lose possession. I think Tav wins it back. Um, Duncan Watmore and him almost glide up the pitch, seemingly unmarked, which was a, a little bit strange. Um, Watmore slides Tav in, and he's he, he's one v one with the goalkeeper. I think six or seven yards out, and he. he, he, he it's as simple as that he's just got a score, really, in a game of such massive stakes uh, for Middlesbrough season. A chance so quickly after going one up. I think if we go two up, I've got to be honest, I think it's game over. Um, and he just doesn't get enough power, doesn't get enough direction and, and sort of passes it really in, uh, into the goalkeeper's um, mid-drift. And then from that point, they clear and we decide to just let them score, really. <laughs> um, Perot drops deep, as he did throughout the game. And just a, a mention to Joel Perot, I thought he was excellent, dropping deep. Um, I know he's had a good season for Swansea this year, um, but I was really impressed with him yesterday. Picking up the ball in little pockets, um, just being a nuisance, to be honest, to, to house and and actually, he picks up the ball and Housen, probably with his experience, should do the old Adam Clayton and just drag him back by his shirt, take the yellow card and move on. And I think he has a little nibble at him just into uh, Burroughs half, tries to kick him. Perot sort of rides the challenge a little bit, um, continues, slides uh, over Femi in behind Sol Bamba. I think Bamba goes one way, expecting him to try and take it on his left foot, and then he cuts back in on his right foot. And in fairness, it's a great finish. I don't think you can look at Luke Daniels. Um, it's just a good finish, very powerful into the bottom corner. And as you say, the game plan just after scoring was completely scrapped and volleyed out the stadium, and we find ourselves level again. Yeah, it's just so frustrating, really, that you can go from being 1-0 up and, and and not only just being 1-0 up but having such a great chance to go 2-0 up and if you get that goal it just sucks the life out of Swansea if you get that second goal in the space of literally a minute after scoring the first and from the keeper's save to the ball hitting the back of Middlesbrough's net it must have been 30 seconds, if that. The way, that like the way that Swansea just moved the ball through the pitch so quickly and found Obafemi, and it's it's a fantastic finish. But, yeah, just, just frustrating that it can be elation for 30 seconds. You're having another chance and you think, oh, my God, if we score this, we're in absolute dreamland. Yeah. And from missing that chance... It's back to square one, pretty much. Um, but, yeah, what happened in the next few minutes following Swansea's leveller 
I don't, I, I was almost lost for words as it was happening, really. Um, jumping about in my front room thinking, oh my God, we're going to score. And then thinking, oh no, there's three Swansea players running up our end. Um, and, and yeah, just just a crazy sort of few minutes. I'll let you take this one, Chris, because there was so much that happened. I don't think I'm going to remember all, all of everything that did go on in the space of these two minutes. Yeah, well, I'll try and do my best from the notes that we've made watching the game back. Um, it starts off, doesn't it? Um, Josh Coburn wins a free kick down the right-hand side. Um, and, you know, of course, we were we were level at that point and we thought, well, you know, it's a, it's a good area to get a ball into the box, get some quality in there, and potentially, you know, try and hit the likes of Coburn. Um, balls swung in. It's met by a Swansea head, headed to the edge of the box, and Mark Baller transforms into prime Paul Scholes. Right foot swinger, and I think he'll admit as well, just at the technique, you know, most, a lot of the time, most, and of course there's certain, um, you know, anomalies where they're both footed, but the majority of the time, most left-footed players will tell you they use the right foot for standing on. And in fairness to Mark Bowler, the strike that he unleashes on the full volley, right peg, weak foot, thunders off the bar, is out of this world, really. It, it was one of them where you literally leap out of your seat and just think, he has not just tried that, and then it cannons off the bar. Great effort. And just a, another note on Bowler, he must hate playing at Swansea. Last year, he scores an absolute worldie and it gets chalked off for a foul. This year, he's inches away from scoring probably the best goal he would have ever scored in his career. And then from that point, he rattles the bar. Then I might have got this mixed up. I'm not sure. But again, I'm trying my best to remember it the way it sort of unfolds. <coughs> but in a short space of time, then Dyke Steele... From from Bola turning into Paul Scholes, Dyke Steele turns into Messi, runs the length of the pitch, okay, albeit a little bit fortuitous. Um, a few directions taken through, marches through the centre of the pitch, somehow finds himself again one on one with the Swansea keeper. And I think almost he probably panics a little bit and runs out of steam and almost sort of rolls the ball into the goal, uh, the Swansea goalkeeper who who makes a save and they manage to clear again. Um, and then from that point on, as you almost just come to terms with what's just happened and still trying to wrap your head around the fact that Mark Ball had rattled the bar, Swansea then on the attack, Cyrus Christie bursts up the right. Um, it looks like a really, really dangerous position from Middlesbrough's perspective. Sol Bamber is retreating as quick as he possibly can. Uh, Cyrus, uh, Cyrus Christie, of course, Explorer, picks out uh, Wolf for Swansea at the back stick. The ball bobbles up for him perfectly. He unleashes a venomous left-footed strike. Cannon's back off the post. And at that point, I, I mean, my heart was out my chest. I, I think I was just lying down at this point in the middle of my living room, just not even watching what was going on, trying to take it all in. But yeah, Nathan... From what you managed to take in from those sort of mad three or four minutes, again, a wonderful strike by Bowler, but a 
massive, massive chance for Dyke Steele and we should really take the lead, shouldn't we, in that short exchange? Yeah, we should. Um, baller, terrific strike on his right foot, as you say. It's just a swinger. It's it's an unbelievable effort and you just hope that it's going to go in similarly to McGree's, really, in off the underside of the bar. But, yeah, that was so unfortunate. And then Dykesteel just marauding through the centre of the park. Like, I don't even know what. Just a train, really. Um, finds himself in Swansea's box and he probably just got a big, massive nosebleed. I don't think Anthony Dykesteel scored for Middlesbrough. In his Middlesbrough career, in his Middlesbrough career, yet I don't think anything's coming to my mind that he has. No, I don't think he has. I think you're right with that one. I don't think he scored for us yet. No, and, and if I'm honest, in his time at Middlesbrough, I'm not quite sure he's even had a goal scoring opportunity. So he probably just had a abs, as I say, a nosebleed. Didn't expect to be that far up the pitch on his own, pretty much. Um, so you go from thinking that we're going to score there to Wolf firing that shot in. And do you want to know what? Luke Daniels has, flipped, has tipped that onto the ball, onto the post slash bar, by the way. What well, a fantastic, fantastic save that is. Post, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, Daniels. Massive yeah, credit. Fair him. play to him. It was an unbelievable save at a moment where you thought it would just be typical for to have two fantastic opportunities there. And Swansea go up the other end and it would just be typical for them to score. So props to Luke Daniels. Fantastic save. From those mad minutes, everything sort of calmed down for a period of the game, really. Um, both sides having a bit of possession. Um, Swansea having the majority as as per usual and as, for, as per the pattern of the game, really. But then comes the biggest chance of the game and it falls to a Middlesbrough forward off the bench. Um, Chris Wilder made changes uh, in the game. Josh Coburn and, and Duncan Watmore went off and Aaron Connolly and Andras Sparrow came on and also it was good to see Piero back in the squad. We didn't, we've got to mention that. And he made a very small cameo appearance towards the end of the game as well. But the big op- biggest opportunity of the game falls to Aaron Connolly. Um, McGree picks up the ball towards that left-hand side and there's a massive gaping hole in the Swansea defence and Connolly is on the back of, the, of their last man. McGree... Perfectly lofted ball over the top for him. His touch isn't the greatest, but it'll do. And Fisher has already sat down for him, really. All he has to do is probably put it on target. And he's lifted it with the side of his foot over Fisher's leg. And as it looks like it's trickling in, the ball's path starts veering towards that post and it clips the post and it's a massive massive chance to win that game that goes begging once again 
a Middlesbrough striker misses a last-minute chance to deny Premier League football at the Liberty Stadium. Once again, flashback to Rudy Gestead in 2017. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's put me in a bad mood just thinking about it. I mean, we're 24 hours past it now, probably a bit more. And still, I think still if I watch the highlights back now, I would expect it to just roll in at the far corner. Um, as, as you say, Riley McGree picks him out. Uh, you know, credit to Riley McGree um, throughout the game. Really probably had his best game in the Middlesbrough shirt, I thought. Um, majority of the game, he was always that player in midfield that was looking... Um, in behind that Swansea defence, you know, Swansea are risk-takers. They play very good football, but they take risks. Um, and through his press, m- the majority of the time, and through his ability to pick a pass, um, we got in behind a few times. And um, credit to McGree, picks Connolly out over the top. And I'm, I don't want to be that guy to sort of dig out a forward, but to be honest with you, I think I would have felt confident any other striker going through and sticking that chance away. And I just, it just so happens to fall to Connolly. And it, it's, do you know what it screams of? A striker that is absolutely lacking seriously in confidence. And yeah, he just doesn't really make the right connection with it. It rolls past Fisher and just comes back off the post. And yeah. It's, I mean, we all, every time we play against Swansea away, that Gestead miss comes up on social media. And I think from now on, it'll be the Aaron Connolly Swansea away miss because, yeah, it's at such a crucial time in the game. If he puts that away, Middlesbrough take three points and set themselves up for an, another game, their game and this week and think, well, we're really on Sheffield United's tails. And it's just agonising. It's it's I, I, as much as we've got to talk about it. I really wish we didn't have to because it's it's horrible. And yeah, it raises a few questions, doesn't it? One, the other loney that we have uh, for Lauren Balligan. Where was his introduction, and where has his introduction been for the past few games? Um, he seems to, as we briefly mentioned, um, since a, a handful of goals for England and, of course, that goal against Peterborough, um, he's just sort of fallen off the face of the earth. Um, I, I don't know why, but he just doesn't seem to be getting the minutes um, that Connolly seems to be trusted with. And it's well, what else can be said? It's just it's agonising watching it back, thinking about it. It undoubtedly would have wrapped up the game and unfortunately Aaron Connolly is the man on the end of the pass and yeah, like I say, it's just not a convincing finish and comes back off the post and that was really that but I mean, what a chance Nathan. It, it pains me talking about it, it really does. Yeah, it's it's a massive chance. Um, one-on-one with a goalkeeper and I think... He's just not composed enough, really. Not calm enough in that moment, knowing that it's pretty much last kick of the game. 
And should he finish it, it's three massive, massive points for Middlesbrough. Um, a lot of questions have been raised over the past sort of few months, really, now since since we've really got to see these January signings in action. Well, ignoring McGree, really, um, but the forwards, Balogun and, and Connolly coming in, in in January. And the question has been, have those two impacted this Middlesbrough side more than what on El Hernandez, who had played in that front two uh, throughout December for Chris Wilder's side. And I suppose you can kind of throw Uchi Akpiezu into that question as well. Although we always said that he, he, he wouldn't be at the club um, pretty much after the first transfer window that Chris Wilder had as Middlesbrough boss, just because of the sort of style of play that Uche is. Would, would Uche and Onel have impacted this Middlesbrough side more than Connolly and Balogun? Or would you sort of expect similar or, or lesser sort of contributions from those players? I think in terms of, as you sort of briefly touched on, I think with this question, you've kind of got to disregard Uche a little bit. And, you know, hypothetically, if he was Chris Wilder's type of forward, probably I think he matches their goals return. Um, but as I say, I think because of the way Chris Wilder wanted to play, it was, it was never going to happen. It was a make-believe that he was going to stick with Uche. So I think that one can be sort of crossed off the list. But in terms of Onel Hernandez, as you say, um, moved on because of the fact that he was a, a wide man playing in front two. But actually, I think looking back, and of course hindsight's a wonderful thing, I think certainly with Aaron Connolly, Onel Hernandez would, I would be very confident Onel Hernandez would have made a bigger impression in terms of goal contributions than what Aaron Connolly has. Um and, you know, of course, we have hindsight to look at things, but you, I look back at the, the Blackpool game um, when Watmore scores late on, and I thought Onel, that was the game where Onel was really starting to grow into that role of sort of playing as a little bit of a wide forward, but as part of that front two, um, really starting to show that actually his attributes could have been probably moulded into someone that would have worked in, in the formation that, of course, Chris Wilder plays with the, the two up top. Um, and, yeah, it's, of course, we've got to repeat it again, hindsight. We look back and think, well, it could have been this way, it could have been that way. But to answer your question, I do think had uh, Hernandez had had the same opportunities that Aaron Connolly would have and, and you could argue Balogun again but to be honest even Balogun recently hasn't really had too many opportunities I, I think Onel probably would have outscored Connolly um, yeah it, it, it really is a difficult one isn't it but I mean what what, what do you think I, I know you were a big fan of Uche but I think to disregard him a little bit in terms of more so Onel and, and Balogun and Connolly, do you agree that Arnold probably would have made actually 
a similar, if not better, contribution. When we first signed Aaron Connolly, I think it would have been fair to say that we all expected a bit more from him in terms of goals, as he is sort of that out-and-out striker that, that plays off the, off, off the cuff of defenders, looks to get him behind. And we, we've seen him take chances for, for Brighton at, at, at times, whereas Onel has always been the creator in that Norwich side prior to prior to joining Middlesbrough. Um, and really that that Norwich side played three attackers behind the sole striker, and Onel was the wide left of, of, of that three, which wouldn't have fitted Middlesbrough style at all. Um, although we did see signs of Onel playing in that front two, I don't think that Wilder, well, evidently, Wilder didn't want to persist with a project with Hernandez, sort of transitioning him into that forward role, whereas he could just go out and sign someone that he thought was better suited to play that role literally in the days prior to Blackpool. Um, but looking at the stats that Connolly's thrown up since being here, I think many would say that, that Onel probably could have matched what Connolly's done so far and probably impacted the game, the games that Connolly's played a, a little bit more. Um, it seems that Onel, despite Connolly having this reputation of being a sort of quick, nippy striker, I think it's fair to say Onel's miles quicker than Aaron Connolly is. He's more direct. He, he can dribble past players, which we, we haven't really seen from Connolly. He's, they're both built quite similar in terms of... They're, they're quite physical. They can probably handle themselves should they be pushed or tr attempted to be pushed off by defenders but yeah I think I think it'd be fair to say that Onel probably could have could have matched what Connolly's done so far um and it's it's been a bit of a disappointment really with with the recruitment in January Balogun as well really well that's a it's, that's a whole other situation it is it is and it's, it's a really strange situation as well we don't know what's going on behind the scenes of course um but to go away on international duty and score three and two for England under 21s, come back and play relatively well at Peterborough up front with Connolly and get a goal on the day. And really we haven't seen him since. We saw him against Hull and he wasn't wasn't great. But he's just sort of been thrown to the side almost. And it's it's very strange to see, but if you want to take just those two names and sort of disregard the situation and just see what they produced over the, the appearances that they made for Middlesbrough, I don't think it's been good enough. And I don't think that this recruitment team that have signed these players in January will be overly pleased with the impact that they've had on this Middlesbrough side so far. Yeah. It sort of, it almost 
I think with the with the Balogun signing, I think that was more. I look at that and I think that's Wilder's signing. You know, he tracked him at Sheffield United, tried to sign him once before. So, you know, that it's an obvious one there that, of course, you know, he probably fits the profile of what the, the recruitment team were looking for in that case. Um, but with Conley, I sort of, I, I do look at the way he plays and I'm, I'm yet to see sort of what type of striker Aaron Conley is. Um as, as we say, I think because of his height and not just because of his height, but, you know, players of that size, everyone sort of almost always expects that they've got to be quick because they're smaller, um, which is, you know, a little bit of a sort of um, lazy stereotype. But he's, he's not really quick off the mark. Um, he certainly doesn't strike me as a good finisher or a confident finisher. Um, he's not really ever going to be a target man. Um, and, yeah, you know, he is a bit of a nuisance. He, he ruffles up defenders the occasional time and will win a free kick. But uh, it's left a lot to be desired. Um, the recruitment of forwards in, in January and certainly it leaves a, a massive, massive um, job on the hands of the recruitment and Chris Wilder in the summer, regardless of what division we're in that that is going to have to be addressed because if if we're serious about competing at the top end of the championship and it looks to be we will be in the championship next season that has to be addressed because we can't go into you know we have Duncan Watmore and Josh Corburn and and of course Corburn's still very young Duncan Watmore I think I've always been of the belief that he's more of an impact sub um, than an actual starting striker and of course, Andras Sparar is probably going to depart, um, you know, for whatever reason. You know, we're talking about loan players. Andras Sparar, despite a lot of hype and, of course, his song, which we all, I don't think anyone can sort of say that they were never jumping on board with. Since Christmas, his form has fell off a cliff, really. Um, looks half the player that he did prior to Christmas. Um and it is a it's a real problem area for us, to be honest. I think, as you say, January recruitment, we addressed um, sort of the the backup role for for Tav, brought uh, brought in McGree, and McGree's after a, a few hiccups and a few performances, he's started to show what he's about, and we've seen flashes. Um, of course, the goalkeeper situation, we could discuss that for, for even longer but the, the real issue for me and it's not so much just looking at this season of course we haven't for me I would say we, we didn't strengthen in January if potentially there's an argument there to say we actually weakened in January but certainly that's the biggest issue that has to be addressed going into the summer it's just a gaping hole and something it's not even an elephant in the room it's a I don't even know in the room a I can't even think of an animal big enough. Uh, <laughs> it's just such a, a space that needs filling. And I think you could honestly make an argument that we need three new strikers in the summer. Um, but yeah, we sort of went off on a little bit of a tangent there about the forwards. Uh, one thing, going into the questions a little bit now, uh, moving on from the game, sort of still in relation to the game a little bit. You mentioned, of course, the positive news. Martin Piero back in the squad. 
Uh, Josh Wharton got in touch uh, when we asked on social media for questions for the podcast and was slightly confused. And I think a, a few others mentioned it as well, that Martin Piero was only introduced with <coughs> minutes left, really. Probably not even that. Of course, Tav goes off with a slight knock. Um, but we were in a position where Swansea didn't really need a goal for the game. We probably needed the win more so. In fact, definitely needed the win more so. Um, the points would have been far more valuable to us. And with Piero's skill set, we've seen of a... I think him and Riley McGray are different players, but, you know, Martin Piero has that ability to unlock a defence or, you know, um, we've seen again in Wales this season uh, have that finishing touch, that little bit of quality. And there was a lot of questions about why he wasn't introduced sooner. Um, were you sort of asking those questions or did you only expect him really to have a brief um, sort of introduction later on in the game? Yeah, I thought it was always going to be brief, really. Um, he's just come back from a long layoff, two two or three months out um, of, of, of any sort of football, really. Um, and in a game where Swansea dominated a lot of the ball and that Middlesbrough midfield was just having to constantly chase, press Swansea players, try and latch on to the end of misplaced passes and mistakes. And especially with the intensity that Swansea knocked the ball about around that, I felt that it, it, it's probably just throwing Piero in at the deep end, really. Um, we're probably going to need him in midweek. Um, we'll, we'll get onto it a bit later on, but Cardiff are probably going to sit in and we're, we're going to need midfielders that are going to try and unlock that door really that Cardiff are gonna that, that are gonna sit in with that low block on, on Wednesday night and Piero could be perfect for that. So we'll just have to wait and see for later on in the week. But yeah, as I say, he's just come back from a long layoff. You can't expect him to come in and and, and be the man to to be the comeback kid as as it goes and and, and impact the game all too much, I don't think. Yeah, uh, another question come in from Liam um, asking about how Conley uh, continuously gets picked in front of Balogun. I, I think we kind of covered it a little bit uh, just previously, so I hope that answered your question, Liam. Uh, there was an awful lot of questions about that. Obviously, we sort of went off and, and discussed it a little bit. Um, we've covered questions, covered Swansea. It's time to look ahead. And if no games beforehand um, have been season-defining, um, then this one certainly is next up at the Riverside. It's, of course, Middlesbrough's game in hand against Cardiff. Really, it's win or bust for Middlesbrough. Um, I think it's that big. Um, if Middlesbrough have got any ambition of taking their playoff hopes... Um, into the remaining two games of the season, they simply have to get three points. Um, you know, Cardiff, in terms of the opposition, haven't really had their best season, of course. We went to their place earlier on this season. That man, Martin Piero, um, got his first goal for the club. Uh, wonderful, probably one of my favourite moments of the season, actually, um, on reflection, when we had that little resurgence under Neil Warnock. 
And yeah, it's, I think, as we say, you know, you mentioned it, Cardiff are going to come and try and do what Hull and Huddersfield did, uh, sit in, try and be awkward, defend deep and try and counter-attack. We do have this small issue of another one of these Baropolis EFL-type figures. Um, I'm not even going to say his name, but if I mention the fact that this specific striker used to be on loan at Middlesbrough and also used to be an ex-barman of a very well-known pub around the Middlesbrough area, I think everyone knows who I mean, and I'm not mentioning his name because of the curse that we have set. Prior to this, with of course Jordan Rhodes coming back to bite us in the you know where a few weeks back now. Um, they play a back five. They currently sit 19th in the league. I don't think they're in any danger of going down, but they'll try and make it difficult and it's just going to be on Middlesbrough to try and break them down. Of course, you mentioned it there. Um, we might need Piero, of course, to have, um, didn't finish the game. Uh, didn't really limp off, but didn't look in too much um, comfort, should we say. Looked in a little bit of discomfort. So we'll wait to see whether he is fit and available for, for the midweek game. But that is a potentially quite exciting um, idea of, or thought, I should say, of having McGree and Piero in, in uh, uh, the three in midfield with Housen sitting a little bit deeper. Is that something, if Tav is out of, the, out of the Cardiff game, of course, we don't know. We haven't had an update on that just yet. But would you like to see that? Because it would certainly give us that extra ability to potentially unlock a door or find our way in behind that Cardiff defence, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Um, I think I'd probably want to see Tavernier in the side still at left wing back, if I'm honest, or even McGree at left wing back, if you want Tavernier's energy in midfield still. Um, it's going to be a difficult task. As you say, they're going to do what Hull tried to do, sit in and soak up pressure. And should Middlesbrough be unable to break them down, they will grow in confidence, step out slightly and look to hit us on the break. Um, a game that we, sh we shouldn't... Oh, I don't want to what, say we shouldn't struggle. What are you going to say here, Nathan? I could almost read what you were about to say coming off. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the typical sort of football fan being very entitled. That's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm being at this moment in time. I think that we should just. You look at the league table, don't you? And you think, oh, come on, like should should be routine. But with Middlesbrough's chance conversion over the last month. Uh, it's not going to be straightforward, is it? Um, and as you mentioned there, a former player up front for Car uh, former Middlesbrough man up front for Cardiff, um, the Hemo Hitman, as his name goes, <laughs> near me, uh, from Hemlinton. Uh, another ex-Middlesbrough player at centre-half for Cardiff. We won't throw his name out there. If you want to guess, you can. Just a daft little game we'll play. 
uh, used to play for Bristol City, scored loads of goals for them, came to the perfect manager for him. Um, Tony Pulis was that manager. Um, the player is about six foot seven, scored loads of headers, and he scored one header in just over a year at Middlesbrough uh, and was quickly shipped to Cardiff and Neil Warnock. So we'll see what he has to offer as well on um, on Wednesday evening. At one point in the season, he was top scorer in the division, which I bet you didn't know either. But um, there We're you just are. Doing mini, at this point, we're just doing mini fact files on players and having our own little quiz because we're that scared that we're going to jinx someone scoring. <laughs> you know yeah. what? If it gets us results, then we'll continue to do it in the future as well. Um, I, th- I think we are, Nathan, honestly. I, I think that could be the way forward if it works. Um, in, in terms of this game, I think stating the obvious, really, an early goal is... Of course the stuff of not, dreams at this yeah, stage. Not essential, but it would be magnificent if that could be the case and we got one early and settled the nerves a little bit. It does have almost the feeling of... Um, Reading at home when Forshaw scored, of course, not to the same point because you know automatic promotion was still was still in with a chance of, of that point. But we have that game in hand, and it's it it simply is win or really, I think you can kiss goodbye at the playoffs. I think a lot of people already probably have already waved goodbye at the playoffs and accepted it. But as I say, if we want to. You know, really put it on Sheffield United. Of course, they travel to QPR Friday night, and we'll all be wearing our QPR colours and hoping that Lyndon Dykes and Albert do a uh, do us a favour. Um, a little bit of Baropolis trivia for you, actually. Of course, I mentioned that my brother lived with Lyndon Dykes years back when they both played for Queen of the South, and I said. I was tempted to ask my brother to send him abuse um, after he scored against Middlesbrough. I'm tempted to ask him to send him a please, 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 please score and do a job <laughs> against Sheffield United text. So I'll see what I can do with that. Of course, Albert Adoma, fingers crossed he can help his old team out. Of course, after Cardiff, we then go into a second consecutive home game. Again, Stoke City, similar to Cardiff, a little bit higher up the table and more of a dangerous outfit. Don't really have an awful lot to play for. Um, Currently sit 12th in the table. Ironically, they've just come off the back of beating QPR. But actually, you look at Stoke's team and there's a lot of players in that team where championship fans, you look at it and think, well, how are they not higher up in the table? You know, they're always... Stoke are a weird one because early on in the league, around about Christmas time, they're sort of there or thereabouts in terms of the playoffs. And then for the last few years, they've just dropped off a cliff in the second part of the season. And yeah, forward line, Jacob Brown, um, a lot of speculation about him going and signing for Rangers at the end of this season. Um Josh Madger, who's been linked with Middlesbrough seemingly every transfer window for the past five years. And then, of course, another ex-Middlesbrough player, 
and we're back to the guessing game, Nathan. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a more difficult one this time. So if you are listening, let us know if you if you guess. I'm sure you can have a quick Google and work out who it is. Joined uh, under the management of Gary Monk on loan from Chelsea. Made quite a good impact in fairness and looked quite bright. A um, little bit of an attacking midfielder, ball-footed. Uh, and then sort of more bizarre than anything I've really ever seen actually did fall off the face of the earth and never played for us again that season, I don't think. Um, I actually always thought he was quite good when he played for us. Um, if you can work out who I'm talking about, then fair play. You can give us your own judgment on him. But has been in a, a nice little bit of form for Stoke since his permanent uh, move from Chelsea. Of course, had a lot of loans, this specific midfielder. Um, and, yeah, finally gets a permanent move and, and looks to have settled in a, a quite well at Stoke. So another threat for Middlesbrough and an ex-Middlesbrough player, which is always horrifically terrifying. Yeah, it is. And he's he's been fantastic for Stoke since signing for them as well, really. He scored a lot of goals. Um and has been unlucky with others as well. He had a free kick on Saturday that hit the bar. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a difficult task on Saturday as well. But uh, something that's gone amiss and will cause selection headache is it's the return of the tree on Saturday. Uh, his three-game suspension is already going to be finished by Saturday. We are going to see him. Before the end of the season, knowing his own luck, he'll probably clatter someone on Saturday and get sent off and we won't see him again <laughs> until un, until midway through next season as well. But, yeah, um, Cruxy is back on Saturday. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting uh, to see what Chris Wilder selects. Of course, in midfield, he'll then have... Tavernier, McGree, Housen, Crooks, Piero, all sorts of options in there that he can select. Whether he goes with his, his usual three of, of Tavernier, Housen and Crooks, or whether he changes it up, especially with McGree's performance on, on, on Saturday where he was probably man of the match, really. I'd yeah. say him or Daniels were up there with uh, Middlesbrough's best performance on Saturday at Swansea, but We'll just have to wait and see what this week brings, but not getting too ahead of ourselves. It's one game at a time. It's Wednesday, Cardiff. They've even thrown us on Sky Sports for good measure. Um, never again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never a good sign, but the Borough need to turn up. It is do or die. It is must win. If, it, if it's anything less than three points... It is season finito and build for next. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think fingers, <clears throat> everything that you can possibly think of crossed for Wednesday night that we do the business. And then, as we say, we are Queen's Park Rangers fans from that moment onwards um, until we get to our game and hopefully do the business against Stoke. Of course, just one last point. Uh, Dale Fry may be back for Stoke. I think 
uh, I'm right in saying that Wilder said uh, Cardiff was probably going to be a little bit too soon for him. So, of course, we may see um, Dale Fry come back into the team. And Nathan, I'm going to finish the podcast this week with a question. Because a lot of people have been quick to say, and do you know what? Probably rightfully so. We're done. The season's done. What is your message to the people saying the playoffs are done before this week? Give us give us something that's going to get us in the mood for Cardiff. Keep the faith. They're my three words. Um, <laughs> keep the faith. Believe in Borough. Stranger things have happened, haven't they? Um, after the week we've had with with managerial speculation, we've we, we've topped it off with a decent point away at Swansea. I think I think any other time in the season, if you play Swansea away and nab a point off them, you think it's a good. You think it's a it's a great result, but. Yeah, at this stage of the season, good result. Move on to the next one. We've got a game in hand. The pressure is on us. We'll just have to see what we can conjure up. Um, when the pressure's been off us, we've done relatively well this season. You look at Man United, Spurs, those games where there's no pressure on us, we, we've done really well. But I just urge everyone... Don't get on the backs on Wednesday night if if things aren't going well early on. If there's a big chance missed early on, don't get on the players' back. If anything, cheer the name. Get yeah. get their confidence oozing through them. We need the boys fit and firing for Wednesday night. And I'll just throw it out there as well. I'm not going to be there on Wednesday night. Now I'm back at university. Wow. Um, the last midweeker that I missed was West Brom and on, we Sky. Went, oh. on Sky we went went down 1-0 after an early goal and there was a quick turnaround in the second half and we won 2-1 it could be it could be let's hope it's it could be one of them again but yeah this is the last game I'm missing before before the end of the season Let's make it a borough win. I'll, I'll be, ha- I'll happily watch it on Sky Sports. Well, Nathan, I'm gonna take believe, believe in borough from that. That's what we have to do. We are crossing everything possible that we can keep this playoff. It, it's a little bit of a dream right now. Let's just hope that we can take it to the last game of the season and really make it interesting of course if we did and it's a big if Sheffield United play what will be champions by then Fulham stranger things have happened and yeah I think that is where we'll leave it Nathan thank you for your motivational message I hope everyone listening and watching takes as much from that as what I did Uh, but from me and Nathan Thank you ever so much for watching and listening again. Please 
do, as we always say, give us a nice rating on any audio platforms because if it does go down the pan this week, it'll cheer us up a little bit. But even if we win, it also, of course, puts an even bigger smile on our faces. And from me, Nathan, thank you ever so much again. I'll stop waffling. Burnley, find yourself a different manager and get some decent seats in your ground. But from <laughs> me, once again... Thank you for watching, and that has been another episode of the Brock List Podcast. Fire, fire, fire!